Hey everybody, welcome to the Midwest Wed, everything you need to know about weddings in the Midwest, brought to you by local experts. I'm Melanie. And I'm Anne. And we're, we're the, the Midwest, Midwest Wed. Wed. Alright, so we're on week six, and we have officially announced all of our vendors, and we are at a $30,000 giveaway for 2020. Which is awesome and super impressive, and people can't believe us. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, super excited about the new vendors, and then I'm also excited that the vendors that are sticking around can recognize that this is a really cool thing for the community and that like it's kind of something that's like a new way to like reach brides and give back to your community at the same time and right and do something amazing for right one couple. like I'm really excited to see how 2019 turns out so I think we should announce your new exciting information about Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, like, forget what I'm talking about when there's notes right in front of my face. Um, so, even though we've announced our 17 or 18, I need to count them again, vendors that all have dollar amounts attached to them, there is one vendor that we're still calling a vendor even though there's not like a true dollar amount attached to this, and that is Bismarck Bridal. So, Bismarck Bridal is the January issue of Bismarck Magazine every year is like a bridal feature magazine that they do and every year there's a feature couple like they do articles about different businesses locally but there's also a real couple on the cover every year and there's an article written about them and they're called the feature couple and as of this year the feature couple is going to be the Midwest wedding giveaway Couple. Winning couple, yes. Yeah. So, so Courtney and Justin. Courtney and Justin will be featured as the feature couple in Bismarck Bridal. January 2020. Yep. Yeah. And then the 2020 the, bride and groom, whoever we'll, they may be, will we'll be, be the, the 2021 magazine cover. Yeah. That's awesome. And article about their whole wedding. Yeah. Which I think is incredible. I think it's cool because in those articles, you always want to read like a cool story and something interesting about the couple. And the fact that they won this giveaway is just, like, an added thing to their story. Like and no, they'll have... No pressure on me to take right. pictures, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be cool, too, because, like, they can kind of talk about the giveaway in the sense that, like, yeah, Courtney and Justin will be the featured couple, but there can also be, like, a little blurb about the 2021 couple, because mm-hmm. they will already be decided, and will already have their engagement pictures right. by January Ooh, 2020. Maybe we can fit that in. Yeah, so I'm, like, Hannah, I'm excited. <laughs> we want a double feature. <laughs> Just like a little blurb, you know, like how, like, People Magazine style, where it's like the whole article on the whole page is about George Clooney, and then, like, there's just, like, a little blurb about his wife. Well, our little blurb (laughs) could be, like, next year's couple. (laughs) Keep an eye out for. Yeah. So that's really, really exciting, Um, which I've been keeping it a secret. I don't even know if I told my husband. So now I can talk about it. I know. (laughs) So you've got the ring. Now what do you do with all that bling? So week six, we are talking about timeline how to plan your wedding where to start yeah because obviously it can be very daunting and we don't want this podcast to just be about midwest wedding vendors and announcing that obviously there's going to be lots of other topics to talk about and a lot of them are going to revolve around wedding planning so we thought we would just start with kind of the breakdown of where to start right and i mean most brides, I would say, what, like 95% of brides have never planned a wedding for themselves. <laughs> right. Or you think it'll be the same as your sister or your yep. best friend. Things and then change. when it's your time to do it, it's like everything changes. And also, 
you shouldn't just do what worked for your best friend because there might be some better option out there or there's something that she didn't think of or there's a way to cut costs somewhere. All thing, things change every season. So we're going to go through the entire timeline of what you should be doing when for your wedding. And then each week moving forward, we're going to discuss those little bulletin points um, more in depth. So I guess to kick it off, the first thing I would say in booking your wedding is obviously to find a venue and then set your date around that venue's availability or the church's availability. Right. Like, I don't think we can make this more clear. It seems like something you shouldn't have to explain. But like, again, it's the first time you're planning a wedding, so maybe you don't know. Don't pick a date and announce that date until you have booked not only your reception venue, but also your church. And or their location of yeah, whatever or whatever choice you're making. And making sure that they're available on the same date of your choice. You hear about it a lot in the wedding industry where somebody will come in, say, to a bridal shop and be like, my wedding is August 17th. And then the next time you see that bride, maybe when she's, you know, making her decision on her gown or picking up her gown or any of those things, she'll be like, oh no, our wedding's in November now. Our church wasn't available in August and so we had to switch it with our venue, that sort of thing. Those are really important details. It's not as big of a deal to a dress shop, but it's obviously a very big deal to a photographer. Right. So you don't want to start booking other vendors until your venue and your ceremony site are both locked in. And you really shouldn't be, like, blasting it on social media yeah, and that sort of thing. don't feel pressured when 99 people are coming at you the day after your engagement asking what the date is. When's your wedding? Where's your wedding going to be? Just blah, 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 blah. let me get this ring comfortable on my finger first, and then we can just discuss logistics after. Right. So take a hot second to go over venues and look at your options, decide what's in your price point, Contact them, find out availability, find out which churches, or if you're very specific to what church you want, making sure that whatever venue you want lines up with that. Then once you have them booked, you can start announcing to them them to the world. And yeah, I would vendors. not even book a single vendor until I have the venue for or the venue booked and their ceremony location booked. Because yeah, if somebody booked me and then they came back and said, oh. I'm actually moving it to this weekend. There's a good what chance that I'm already booked. Already booked for that wedding. Or some people, some vendors have it in their contract that, like, they're only valid to honor that contract for that day. That's exactly So, it, yeah. you know, if they run into a conflict, like, they don't have to honor it. We don't have to give you a refund because you signed off on a specific day. Right. So you just want to be, like, very sure of your date before you start booking other things and also before you start telling people because you don't want your aunt seeing it on Facebook and writing it on the calendar and then never realizing that it gets changed and you know then she can't make it or something like that don't feel the pressure to like tell people immediately I think it's totally acceptable to like the day after you get engaged when people are like when's your wedding it's okay to be like sometime next year or mm -hmm. hopefully sometimes in the fall sometime in the fall right like, yeah you don't have to nail that down until, like, you're ready to nail it down, and you should be doing that when you book your venue. So I think that is the biggest, most important, and first task for anybody planning a wedding right. is to get a venue. Um, the second thing I think is important, um, but I have a hard time with it, is it's creating a budget. <laughs> Knowing how much you're going to spend, like, if your parents are giving you a certain amount, how much you guys are going to chip in. Um, understanding that most vendors will require 50%. Um, I think that's a pretty average amount, 50% so. down, to hold your wedding date. 
um, and location because if you decide I'm going to get married in Bismarck and you book all these Bismarck vendors and then decide you want to move it to Fargo, well, now you're either going to pay vendors travel costs or... Maybe you lose that vendor because yeah, they don't double want to travel. in Bismarck that weekend. Or... So, exactly. So, um, creating a budget, figuring out where you want to allocate that money towards, you know, and who's giving what and when you need to be paying things I think is really important. But if you're a person like me um, and created this new rule that I love, you can go ahead yes. and follow, explain that. So I have this rule when it comes to making budgets, which I'm sure that if my dad listens to these podcasts, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure he doesn't, he would be like, oh, because it's probably the story of his life. It's the 10% rule. Like set a budget and stick to it in the margin of 10%. <laughs> So, like, if you decide your wedding that you decide that your wedding is going to cost twenty thousand dollars total with all your vendors and all that stuff, like ten percent, so twenty two thousand, you still did pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. My husband, no. Yeah. Our parents, no. There's also like something to think about too when you're setting your budget that it doesn't have to be concrete in the sense that like where you allocate each dollar, it doesn't have to end up there. You know. Oh my gosh, nothing bugs me more than when somebody says they want to spend this amount on their wedding, but then they invite like 500 or 700 people and then they start cutting corners on like photography and videography um, and things that I personally think are important. I mean, if you want to invite every Joe Schmo you went to college with and and that's you your need to rationalize priority, that then do it. But you, maybe you're going to be spending less on things that Don't complain about your pictures later yeah. because you decided to invite a million people to your wedding just so you could... I mean, that's, I feel like, the biggest struggle in North Dakota is that weddings get so big and it's important to, like, rationalize that you have to feed all those people and then your food budget. I mean, if you're feeding 600 people at $20 a plate... And that's a that's a very reasonable. Amount. I mean, I right? Because I know, like at hotels, a lot of times twenty dollars a plate is like no, the starting. Yeah, like, like that's as cheap as it's gonna get. Yep. I mean, granted, there's other ways around that. Like you could be at a venue where you get to cater in your own food, and if you can that's find a stress, right? If you can find a different solution, I mean, you can always go that route, or you can rationalize like you're having your wedding and you want six hundred people there. At twenty dollars a plate, that's eight thousand dollars. <laughs> so look at you go with all your math. <laughs> I just am kind of like mind blown that it's like so you'll spend eight thousand dollars on people's dinner, but you won't spend three thousand dollars on the pictures you're gonna have forever, right? Or l- more than eight hundred dollars on your dress. Yep. You know, I mean, I think that you got to decide what the priorities are to you. Obviously, to me and Mel, the priorities are... <laughs> what we're in the industry for. Photography photos and wedding, and dresses. wedding dresses. <laughs> but if the priority to you is, like, some bomb food mm-hmm. and a really cool place to dance or a really great band or a really cool DJ or a really awesome photo booth or whatever it might be, you know... Deciding those priorities and working that into your budget, but then also being flexible. And be realistic. Give yourself more leeway. Like, tell yourself you're going to spend more money than not because nothing... Then you don't feel like such a failure when you go over and your you budget. And you can always allocate it somewhere else. Right. You know, so say... own a house down deposit for right. down payment, whatever. But creating a budget and trying to, to stick to it is probably um, the and second I, most important part that I say. And realistically, if you're not sure what you should be spending on a venue, then 
and you're not sure where you want to start as far as venue, then maybe you start with budget before you even look at venues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that could be. Um, the next part would be to book your major vendors. So this is going to be your photographer, your DJ, um, things that book up rather fast. I know like sometimes a florist won't allow you to book more than six months, nine months out. Um, but major vendors in the state of North Dakota book out a year sometimes, like I'm almost like two years out sometimes right. um, for major dates. So I think that booking those vendors right away is going to be key. If you have your venue booked and your date set, um, then start speaking with those secondary vendors and getting an idea of who's available and who's not. Because you might be sitting around going, okay, I really want to book this photographer. Her price is higher than I want. And I'm just going to wait a couple of weeks until I have more money. But it's the peak engagement season and then you wait a couple weeks and then she's booked here she's booked and I think like deciding what your major vendors are and what your secondary vendors are some of that is in stone like photographers by nature are going to book out earlier than a photo booth Mm -hmm. or transportation or catering right those are all kind of last minute books but deciding what's important to you and doing it ahead of time is also there's something big to be said about that so I told you my 10% rule I'll just give you another rule of thumb in the life of Anne (laughs) It's if you want it cheap and fast, it doesn't come easy. If you want it fast and easy, it doesn't come cheap. And if you want it cheap and easy, it doesn't come fast. So after uh, booking your secondary or major vendors, um, I think the fun new trend right now is celebrating with an engagement party. I don't see a ton of it around the North Dakota area, um, the Midwest, but I think it's a great way to announce your wedding date, kind of announce who um, is going to be in your wedding party, use it as the night to ask people and just take a minute and celebrate your engagement party. I know we're going to talk a lot more about that in a couple weeks. So I think we should just kind of skim. Yeah. I mean, it's a great thing to do. It's kind of a, not a necessary part, but we'll talk about like why it's cool, why some people skip it. And we'll do that in one of these future weeks. And I think engagement parties should probably happen in like the first month to three months from being I mean and that also depends on how long you want your engagement to be if you're engaged for two years you probably could have your engagement party you know three to six months after people aren't as excited about your engagement I mean you want to live on that hype yeah so do it within the first month everybody wants to see that ring yeah true um after engagement party kind of planning and celebrating I say that you need to decide when to do save the dates um typically if you're going to be you're like a North Dakota couple getting married in North Dakota send your save the dates out around nine months. If you're a North Dakota couple getting married in Mexico, um, closer to 12. If you're from Wisconsin and all the people you're inviting live in North Dakota, you could do them around nine to 12 months, anywhere between, you know. It's kind of decide just, what works for you. Yeah, you have to decide like what works for you and where are the people coming from. If there's a lot of people that are traveling from out of town, give them more flexibility closer to that 12 months. If everybody's really local, nine months is a very happy number. Sure. Okay. So after you've, you know, you've set your wedding date, you've booked your major vendors, you've talked about things like engagement parties and budgets and that sort of thing, the next step would be to book all of those other vendors that would maybe not be considered your, like, first round of booking. So if you haven't already booked a decorator, that would be on that list. Most of your food, catering, cake, whatever you're doing in that regard. Um, photo booth if you're doing it, uh, videographer if you haven't already done it, transportation, all that jazz. I, I don't know, what would you say? Most of that stuff needs to be booked I would almost six say, months out at least. Yeah, oh for sure. And I think like decorator, 
you know, I would almost book those closer with like the photographer because nowadays decorating is becoming very high demand. In like demand for when sure. I was getting married, it wasn't as in demand. Um, whereas nowadays it's, it's almost second nature to have a decorator at every single wedding. And I, I love it. I just think it's, like, so much less stress. It is. Trust me, I tried to do the no decorating, no decorator thing because of how rural our wedding was. Mm -hmm. And it, I still get, like, nightmares about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, like, the week of your wedding, the poor girls that come into the black tie optional with their fiancés to pick up their suits the week of the wedding, and they're just, like so stressed and then you see some who are just like not and I think that like your vendor selection and what you choose as vendors oh, like yeah. That's a plays a big role in that. in that um after booking secondary vendors I would think you should probably well I think these two go hand in hand yeah um schedule your bridal appointment and schedule engagement session um want to talk about the bridal appointment quick and then I'll kind of discuss my theories on engagement photos sure so if we are saying secondary vendors should be booked at the six month mark you should already have your dress ordered at that point if you're booking secondary vendors at the nine to twelve month mark when you're sending out save the dates then that's also when you should be booking your bridal appointment most designer bridal shops or boutiques are going to tell you that you should have your dress ordered by eight months before your wedding to ensure customizations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, And the leave time for alterations. I thought they were joking when they are like, it's going to take six to nine months for your wedding dress to get here. And I was like, oh, why? And then it literally took like seven months. Because and they then, make it for you. <laughs> yeah, it was custom made. And yep. then it took another like two months for alterations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally got my dress back almost one month on the dot before yeah. my wedding. Yep. And so like... Can we get you a wedding dress in six months before your wedding? Yes. Can I get you a wedding dress faster than that? Yes. But just like the rule of three, if you're under six months, you don't get to be as picky. (laughs) And you might not stick to that budget as well because you're talking about rush fees and things like that. So in the perfect world, your wedding dress should be ordered eight months before your wedding. Okay, that, yeah, and I, so like I said, So if you need a exactly lot of time for shopping, if you feel like you're going to have to shop around or dwell on your decision for a long, long time, then you shouldn't be booking your appointment eight months before your wedding. Right, and I don't like when people book so far out in advance, too, because trends change, and then it's like, what are you right. going to do with this wedding dress that you've been looking at for t- two years, you know? Right, and are you going to change your mind? Is your body going to change? Like, mm-hmm. staying in that, like, eight to 12 month period of shopping. I always tell girls like if you're before, if you're more than a year out, you need to be very sure. The other thing that's like, I mean, this is just part of the industry. Your bridal appointments are free, at least at White Lace they are. But if you come in at 18 months before your wedding, 16 months before your wedding, 14 months before your wedding, well knowing that you don't wanna buy your dress until eight months before, you have to factor, just like when you think about like waiters, and, but you tip waiters. Well, you're not tipping a dress consultant, and you're right. not paying for these appointments, so you really are using up somebody's time. Mm-hmm. So if you know you don't want to dress, you don't want to purchase your dress till eight or nine months before, then don't start shopping until maybe ten months before. Right. Give yeah. yourself some time to think about it, but don't give yourself some so much time where you're dwelling on it and you're revisiting the topic like time and time again. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna stress you out, and it really does cause big expenses for the bridal shop you're working with. I think. The other thing that goes hand in hand with this kind of time frame would be setting engagement photos. Um, but that can go two ways. Some people, I think the most engagements, scratch that, 
people get engaged around the holidays. So, like, Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day, I call that engagement season because yep. everybody's getting engaged. Every week somebody's getting engaged. That's we when call I it book bridal most. Christmas. Yes. Everybody's <laughs> booking stuff. Um, and here's what happens is people, you know, they, they get engaged, then they set their date, and they want to take pictures right then and there so they can send out save the dates. I mean, I'm – personally, I don't like that. I think people should set their engagement photos – um, around a season and a theme that they like and want to be displayed forever. And if they absolutely 100% need to have a picture on their save the date, either use one that they had taken during their proposal or hire somebody, myself or whoever their photographer is or family friend to take a photo mini session style um, and use that. I think engagement sessions should be more thought out and I think they should be during like a good season, like summer, spring, right. fall, something that they can display in their house forever. And so winter not is rushed. hard, unless you're like winter people and you like live for winter. Like, let's break this down. Getting, say you get engaged December in December, and you're deciding on an October of the following year wedding mm-hmm. date, and you're gonna have a ten month engagement. Well, that means that save the dates have to go out probably in January. Right. So your option is either a wintry photo. A photo that was taken pre-engagement, you know, if you've done a mini session before engagement or something like that, or like you said, book somebody to do a mini session. A mini session, they're so affordable. Mm -hmm. I do them with my dogs. (laughs) Like, I mean, they're so, and then you get these, like, a mini session still gets you a decent amount of photos, then you have these wintry photos, and then you can use your actual save the day photos for, like, Sometime when, you know, your skin isn't as white as a ghost right. and you're you standing in a pile dresses, of snow. You can yeah. multiple outfits. Most of the time people take them in winter and they're like bundled up in jackets and their noses are red. Yeah. And then they want me to like Photoshop it. I'm like, but you were cold. <laughs> it's cold out. <laughs> it's freaking cold out. And I mean, like I said, if you're winter people and you're like, all we do is like to cross country ski and then climb theme mountains. It around us. Then if, embrace it. Right. Don't just... Expect then these yeah, definitely hang up these wintry photos in your house. Twenty degree right. windshield, North Dakota days. But if you're like the rest of us in North Dakota who just like survive winter <laughs> and thrive in the other three seasons of the year, then like save send, the session. Right, save the session for when you can have all these great photos to hang up all over your house and display at your wedding. They don't yep. go unused. Like you can still use them as displays at your wedding or on totally. your actual wedding invitations. Right. Um, but yeah, don't rush engagement photos. I hate when people do that. I always try and talk my brides out of that because I feel like at the end of the day, they aren't as happy as if they would have just waited. And yeah. typically, if people are just using them at, as a display at their wedding, they can take them, for me, with my editing turnaround time, you know, four to six weeks before their actual wedding. Sure. And I mean, mini sessions are very affordable, so you can go that route if you need a photo on your save the date. But I also think it's very acceptable to not have a photo on your save the date. So do I. There's or some really cute save the dates that don't have images on them. People always take pictures once they're, like, proposed. Like, you know, with the guy in the background and the girl holding out her finger with a ring on it. Or, like, yeah. a family member popped a picture as he was proposing. Like, use that. Like, that's awesome. Right. Um, but yes, don't rush your engagement session. I think that that should be something that is saved to closer to your actual wedding date. Um, and moving off of that, going into invites, three to six months, I mean, people sometimes try to rush it and do their invites farther out, which end up just being lost or not set as a priority, and then they lose them and don't send the RSPPs back. That's why I always think three to six months is good. Three months... If you're local. If you're local. Six months if you're more destination or have a Expecting lot of guests traveling. Travel, yeah. um, 
and three like less than three months you can do I think I did ours personally like a month and a half before and that was a or they were due back a month before which was a freaking nightmare I also um, think that like you can cut that a little shorter if you're doing like an online RSVP like if you have like a not or a minted website or whatever that you're which RSVPing I strongly on. suggest against think how much money you save on stamps though uh, yeah but like it's such a hassle for older people and then that is true like Ugh, no, I I absolutely disagree with that a hundred percent. And if like people are gonna give you money for your wedding anyways, what is a fifty two cent stamp? That is true. Like, cut me a break here. I mean, I think the website could probably save you a little bit of time, but you are gonna run into so many people that are like, I don't know how to RSVP on a website. Or they'll send you a whole electronic invite, and then the day of your wedding, you're like, like that. Where am I going? What am I doing? Where's also, I don't check my emails. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm terrible. Or I'll open it and then don't have time to read it and do it right then and there. So I like flag it. And if I don't flag it, then then it's gone it's forever. <laughs> um, but I strongly disagree with online stuff like that just because I am a very paper and pencil. I want to hold it and look at it and embrace it. I think you totally got to read your crowd. Yeah. Because if you have a lot of people, like you have a lot of older people, a lot of like, you know, maybe aunts and uncles, grandparents. I mean, it's hard enough to get a paper RSVP back yeah. from some people. If you are inviting a lot of like, maybe not super tech savvy people to your wedding, that's going to be rough. Well, and my mother-in-law, she has every single graduation card, birth announcement, wedding invitation I mean, she kept the ceremony papers, everything. She's I totally a very do not like the electronic stuff invitation no i'm no, okay no. with a paper invitation that has like a website to rsvp on i'm okay with it but i understand that it's probably just as much of a hassle trying to get like not tech savvy people to rsvp on a website as it is to get people like me who lose all their belongings constantly to send in a paper rsvp i get enough emails like i don't want to be emailing back Ugh, and forth for wedding true. stuff like it just looks hacky don't do it all right. <laughs> That's Next my thought process on it. <laughs> Personal opinions. Okay, so um, you're at the three-month mark. It's kind of like, okay, what's left? At some point in between that three to six months, you should have decided your menswear, but that's just a little blurb. Uh, bridesmaids dresses should have been ordered at the five to six-month mark, but now we're at three months, and you need to plan... Rehearsal dinner. Where are you going to eat, feed people? What's the game plan? Who are you inviting? Yes. Are there going to be kids allowed? Are there not going to be kids allowed? That's an easy way to cut money right there is by only inviting adults. Or only inviting your wedding party and immediate family. Yes. Yes. Sometimes people think that because they have so much extra family coming in that it needs to turn into like a secondary That anyone reception. that traveled should get to yeah. come. It's not necessary Put your foot do down. It's your budget. You yeah. know. And you shouldn't be spending... a boatload of money on your rehearsal dinner when you gotta cut a huge check the next day too right um and rehearsal dinners you there's it's not just a dinner like you also have to keep in mind that it's kind of like a walkthrough of what's going to happen during your ceremony so make sure that you either have a coordinator like dreams to meet yes rachel rachel or um you have an officiant or somebody who's going to be helping you decide what order you're going down in, um, when is everybody going to walk, what songs are being played, everything. So, so you a kind lot of a times if you're, if, you have a, if you're at a church wedding, there's going to be a church coordinator that's going to yep. help you with that because priests don't do that. They don't play that <laughs> role. Um, but if your wedding is not happening at a church and you're having either some kind of pastor do the wedding, that sort of thing, a lot of times that doesn't include a coordinator. If you're having a random person officiate a wedding – 
like I have done in the past. So that's just another one of my side hustles. If you need, an, <laughs> if you need a officiant, I'm already ordained for that. But the first time I showed up to a wedding rehearsal that I was the officiant at, I was like, oh, so I'm here for this wedding rehearsal. And then you kind of like look around at people and you're like, oh, I'm the officiant. So I have to like manage yeah, this rehearsal really. I have to like tell people what to do and that didn't set in for me and I was like luckily it was a really small wedding and we figured it out very quickly but then my second time around I was kind of like wedding rehearsal here we go I have this all planned out and so like you need to have somebody that's doing that for you if you have a wedding coordinator or an event planner on your to-do list then that person is obviously going to be really helpful at rehearsal dinner Um, I think the other things to consider during that one to three month before the wedding date is bridal shower, bachelorette party, bachelor party, who's planning them, who's hosting them. Is there a budget for those? Yeah. Are you doing all of the work or are you asking family and friends? I've learned that mothers, mother-in-laws, aunts, you know, those immediate family members are more excited to be asked than anything in the world. Like... At first, Especially I felt for showers. I felt bad asking, like, "Hey, can you help out with this?" But they were so excited that I was like, "Why didn't I ask them three weeks ago?" Yeah. <laughs> and then bachelorette and bachelor parties typically fall on the wedding party to plan. So that's kind of a breakdown. Once you get all of that, then it's it's basically rehearsal dinner time and wedding day time. Um, and hopefully, you've planned ahead enough that those things are as stress free as possible. The one thing I will say is. You can plan and plan and plan because I'm a big planner, type A kind of person. And at the end of the day, when you forgot to take out, you know, the marshmallows and chocolate for s'mores, the only person that's going to remember is you and probably your fiance because you plan that together. And maybe the like one person that you told would be yep. s'mores there, but even that person probably will forget. Right. So don't stress. Like it. The Whatever day goes, goes so fast, wrong, it only went wrong in your head. Exactly. Your guests have no idea what was supposed to happen and when it was supposed to happen. I mean, unless your dog drags your flower girl down the aisle like mine did. I right. mean, that I was mean, not supposed to happen and everybody saw that happen. Everyone knew that was planned. <laughs> but I'm sure it was adorable in the <laughs> Poor video. <laughs> I remember that day or that part of the day so clearly. And then there are other parts that I was like, when did we do that? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I about that. Um, Just try to enjoy your day. It goes by so fast. And great. you don't want to be stressed the whole time. No. So that's kind of a rundown on what we think should be the timeline for planning your wedding and when to kind of do things. Like we mentioned, um, the next few podcasts will go into those specific bullet points more in depth and kind of give you um, our insight onto planning that portion of your wedding. Um, as always, if you have any questions, uh, message us on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to discuss them. I or think, if you want us to talk about a specific issue yes. or a specific how part do you of wedding planning. a snobby bridesmaid? You can or come a to the crazy curb. monster-in-law. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, everybody's, everybody's drama is different. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, everybody has their own planning issues or speed bumps you run into so if you want us to talk about something specific hit us up we would love we to don't discuss have major it plans i mean yeah. we've got plans but we'll change them <laughs> <laughs> the key word for those that are listening this oh, week yeah let's say rowan because we originally tried to record this episode with rowan and it was a complete failure so if you're listening and you write the word rowan on your application um at the end of our giveaway we're going to put all of those people with at least code words on them into a bucket and pull out their names for some extra drawing giveaways. 
We'll see what happens. We'll <laughs> or see. something like that. I totally we'll see if anyone that up listens to our we're, keywords. We're talking. Uh, but yeah, if you write a keyword um, from here on out, every episode will have one. And if you write it on your application, you'll get entered to win an extra little special drawing. Or maybe it'll just give you bonus points to get you sliding into that top five. Or maybe both. Or maybe both. <laughs> we'll see how many we get. We will see what happens. We'll see if anyone listens to our keywords. All right. This has been the Midwest Wed, everything you need to know about weddings in the Midwest, brought to you by local experts. I'm Melanie. And I'm Anne. Cheers. Cheers.